And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Shoot me an email. The address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or drop me a voicemail at 772-245-0750. Leave your questions or comments and we might use your call on the broadcast. That number is 772-245-0750. Oh my God, oh my God, the president used the term lynching. Cue the outrage. We're being treated to the latest installment of the outrage hoax from the media. They're trying to brainwash the American public into impeaching this president, and they've they've not accepted that they cannot run the country. They thought that they had established the principle that the media was the arbiter of who the American people were allowed to choose to um, lead them. They thought they had established the principle that they were in charge when they uh, they took down Nixon and have bullied every Republican president since Nixon. And they cannot accept that now we have an alternate media that they don't they can't operate with impunity. They don't control completely, although they're trying mightily uh, the flow of information. They're trying mightily by by. Um, insisting on censorship on social media. But they're engaged in a brainwashing exercise. They're using the news cycle to put forward uh, these these latest um, outrage hoaxes or uh, leaks from Adam Schiff's star chamber. They release it early in the news cycle, and then by the time the alternate media corrects the record, the mainstream media has already moved on to the next hoax. It's really something to watch. And what they're doing is they're really refining their propaganda techniques for the age of the Internet and alternate media. And they're determined to maintain the principle that the American people don't get to choose their leaders with impunity. The mainstream media and the establishment in Washington and New York and Los Angeles that it represents insists that they get a veto over who we choose. And they're in an absolute panic because the first hoax that they put together that they, I believe that they believed that Robert Mueller would frame the president with his, Russiagate investigation and that they would be able to carry that frame job across the line and get this president removed. It failed. Robert Mueller, for all his flaws, did not go that extra step and actually frame the president for collusion. Now, he and Weissman tried mightily to frame the president for obstruction They're used to doing that. If they can't get you for an actual charge, they will say that you obstructed them. 
But um, that failed too because the American people are not interested in somebody uh, being removed from office for obstructing a crime that never took place. So (laughs) I should have probably been more clear about what I'm talking about. This is all about, you know, the president using this word lynching. He, He sent out a tweet yesterday, said, so someday if a Democrat becomes president and the Republicans win the House, even by a tiny margin, they can impeach the president without due process or fairness or any legal rights. All Republicans must remember what we are witnessing here, a lynching, but we will win. Cue the outrage. You got uh, the, the leader of the outrage mob that accuses Donald Trump of being a racist. Al Green from Texas, the Geico caveman, rushed to the floor of the Senate to, how dare he use the word lynching? He's a racist. He's a crypto-Nazi. Here is uh, Al Green yesterday. This is the same guy, by the way, that uh, prompted two previous impeachment votes. The last time he wanted the president to be impeached for being a racist. He, Al Green looked into the president's heart and decided that he was a closet racist and he wanted him impeached for that. So now Trump has used the lynch, the word lynching, and here's Al Green's response. Still I rise, Mr. Speaker, and I rise today with a heavy heart. A heavy heart. And tears welling in my eyes, I rise. Poor Al Green. I rise because how dare the president compare lynching to impeachment. How dare he do this? How dare he do this? He went on and on. You don't want to hear it. But by the end of uh, the workday yesterday, the Democrats had refined their talking points to say, how dare the president use the word lynching to talk about a constitutional process? Obviously, the reason he was using the word lynching is because this is not a constitutional process. But if you think it's just Al Green, sort of a, you know, a wild-eyed reactionary reacting this way, here is the leader, the majority leader in the Senate, little Chucky Schumer. I'm wondering, is it ever appropriate to use uh, that word as, a, I guess, a synonym for feeling like you're under attack? And, and do you think that the president understood the history of the word when I have he no idea, it. but he never should have used the word. Never. He never, never should have used the word. He doesn't understand the history. Well, the history of the word lynching derives from colonial America when there was a justice of the peace in Virginia named Charles Lynch that used to hang people without due process, without any trial or having called witnesses. He would just bring them forward and and punish them. That's exactly what is going on in the House of Representatives with regard to this impeachment. And that's exactly why the president used that word. But you can always count on the Republicans to run for the hills. Anytime somebody uses any uh, accusations of racism or any smear job, 
And uh, Mitch McConnell was true to form. He trotted right out and and uh, immediately cucked on the whole topic. The president today compared this impeachment to a lynching. Is that how you would characterize this inquiry? As yeah, a given, given the history in our country, I would not uh, compare this uh, to uh, a lynching. That was an unfortunate uh, choice of words. It is an unfair process, and a better way to characterize it would be to call it an unfair process and inconsistent with the kinds of uh, procedural safeguards that are routinely provided uh, for people in this kind of situation, either in court or in an impeachment process in our country. Well, the first part of that statement was pure bullshit. This is a lynching. This is exactly the definition of a lynching. Punishment without due process. Yes, many blacks were lynched in the South. They, they did not have a monopoly on lynching, though. There have been many, many, many thousands of uh, white people lynched throughout history as well, and and probably um, thousands right here in the United States. He should have used a better term, O'Mitch says. Well, apparently, the Democrats, who, by the way, the ones that are claiming to be outraged now are, are members of the same party that conducted these racially motivated lynchings in the South that has got them so worked up right now that it was the Democrats that were forming lynch mobs in the South and, and, uh, and hanging people without any due process or dragging them from jails after they were found innocent and hanging them. So now they, they feign outrage and claim that you're not allowed to use those words when, and this is the really insidious part of this. I'm talking about the media is trying to manipulate the news cycle. All you had to do was about a, a 15 or 20 second search to find a whole army of Democrats accusing the Republicans of being a lynch mob when they were impeaching Bill Clinton in the 1990s. You didn't have to do any deep research and you didn't have to, you know, it didn't take several days. All it would have taken was a 30 second Google search. Here's Jim McDermott accusing the Republicans of being a political lynch mob when it comes to Bill Clinton. This they feels to me like we're taking a step down the road to becoming a political lynch mob. We're in so much hurry to get this done so it can be in the Saturday-Sunday news cycle and have our mint juleps at 5 o'clock. We are going to find a rope, find a tree, and ask a bunch of questions later. It will be too late for fairness. There was no outrage about using the word lynching back then. Here is Gregory Meeks, Democrat of New York, still sits in the House of Representatives, using the same term. What we are doing or what we are doing here is not a prosecution, it's a persecution. And indeed, it is a political lynching. The Republic of political lynching. The Republicans have no have had no agenda for over a year. And with this act today, they are signaling that they have no agenda for the future. Rather than working together in a bipartisan manner on issues we need. 
So it's okay for the Democrats to use it. But, Jim, those are just minor characters. Anybody might use some reckless language. You can't hold the president to the same standard as that. Well, how about a former Democrat presidential candidate, John Kerry? Here he is on Larry King. The trap that I talked about earlier, which, which is simply inaccurate, it is wrong, it is a you know, verbal political lynching on the floor of the Senate. There's nothing radical in this article. <laughs> this term political lynching has a, a long history and, uh, and it's been used repeatedly by the Democrats to try to smear the Republicans, but let one president a Republican point out that uh, they're not, they're denying him due process and trying to go straight to impeachment and calling it what it is, a political lynching, and they lose their mind. Here is old Joe Biden. This is actually from the uh, Larry King show. This is Joe Biden on with, uh, with Larry King back during the uh, Clinton impeachment. Even if the president should be impeached. History is going to question whether or not this was just a partisan lynching, partisan lynching, partisan lynching, partisan lynching, or whether or not it was something that, in fact, met the standard, the very high bar that was set by the founders as to what constituted an impeachable offense. Do you believe the House of Representatives with the current... So by the end of the news cycle, uh, of course, they had uh, the, the big media outlets... New York Times, Washington Post, the three networks, CNN and MSNBC, after they had covered the story, the initial outrage hoax on their evening newscasts and and on all their headlines, and the alternative media had caught up with them and, and started putting out all of these examples of Democrats being hypocrites, doing exactly the same thing that they were now condemning Trump for doing, well... All of those stories disappeared. They had already moved on to another cycle. Now they were claiming that they had a witness that testified behind closed doors, that uh, that there was a quid pro quo. Now we don't know. We haven't heard actually from the witness. All we know is leaks from Democrats. We know that this witness, I can't remember his name, but uh, he had uh, previously been identified of coming to this belief by reading the New York Times. But they by that but that by this time we had swept the lynching outrage hoax under the rug. Time to move on. You know, <laughs> I talk about Lindsey Graham a lot because Lindsey Graham uh, sometimes he's beneficial and sometimes he is uh, damaging. And um, you know, in his statements. And then you say, well, you know, maybe he's just being honest. Well, this is not the time. You can't play fair with people that are twisting the truth in order to try to destroy you, your party, the country, and every every uh, everything America stands for. You can't be out there criticizing the president and feeding into the Democrat narratives. You might not want to go out on a limb for the president. But the day of fighting fair is long since past. The Democrats have realized, uh, have demonstrated that they're on an impeachment jihad, and we've got to fight back. But old Lindsey, he at least had the uh, the spine and the cojones to step to the mic yesterday and say 
that a political lynching is exactly what's going on here. National media, when it's about Trump, who cares about the process as long as you get him? So, yeah, this is a lynching in every sense. This is un American. I've never seen a situation in my lifetime as a lawyer where somebody's accused of a major uh, misconduct who cannot confront the accuser, call witnesses on their behalf, and have the discussion in the light of the day so the public can judge. If this continues in the House, it's a complete sham, and I'll do everything I can to make sure it doesn't. You know, I've got to admit, this president is a little bit crazy. He is very unconventional. He is a disruptor, and he often says things that are intemperate. But he's a little crazy. He's the kind of crazy that you can live with, that you can get things done with, that can be productive. But this little bit of crazy that this president has brought to the White House has driven the Democrats and their media mouthpieces absolutely out of their minds. They have chucked away all objectivity, all sense of fairness, all uh, basic decency and honesty. And in the case of the media, any sort of professional standards, they have chucked all of that out the window. They become the 24-7, round-the-clock impeachment jihadists. And they don't care if they take the country down with it. And apparently the Democrats don't even care if they take down their own party with them. These people are sick. There's something wrong with them. These people are sick. There's something wrong with them. If Donald Trump's a racist, he is the worst racist in history. Put more, uh, uh, achieved the lowest black and Hispanic unemployment in the history of the country. Funded historically black colleges. Got Has people of... Uh, you know, every race in his, uh, his businesses and in his administration used to receive award, awards from the NAACP for the work he did in the community. This uh, racism charge is, uh, is just what the Democrats use to try to smear somebody and bring them down. And this lynching outrage hoax is just the latest chapter of it. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're finally going to get to this story. Well, maybe not. We'll probably have to cover this uh, Medicare for All story in the next segment. But stick with us. We'll be right back. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot. And Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. So let's talk about this Brexit quagmire over in the United Kingdom that the, the Marxists and the globalists are absolutely determined to prevent the implementation of the referendum three years ago now, in which the uh, the British people it wasn't just yeah the British people of uh, uh, England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland determined that they wanted to take back the fate of their nation and take back their sovereignty, and they voted against all of the uh, mainstream media over there and all of the concerted effort of the globalists to leave the. European Union. It's been three years now, and still they have not left because the globalists have 
they're doing the same thing in Britain that they're doing in the United States. They're trying to impose their will over the expressed desires of the people. They cannot accept that the people don't want to stay in the EU and they're trying everything by hook or crook to prevent them from leaving. And uh, as a result of this, well, the the original um, referendum was actually obviously backed by Nigel Farage, and they tried to paint Nigel Farage as a racist and a, a you know a radical, and keep him uh, from driving the narrative exactly the same way that they're doing to Donald Trump, and uh, and exactly the same way that Donald Trump won the election, the, the pollsters and all of the geniuses over in, the, in, the, in Great Britain predicted that the referendum was going to fail. Now that it's passed, they're trying everything they can to overturn the, the will of the people. And here's a clip of Boris Johnson, who is also often called um, the Trump of Great Britain, talking uh, about, we're going to leave the EU with or without a deal. The EU must now make up their minds over how to answer Parliament's request for a delay. And the first consequence, Mr Speaker, is that the government must take the only responsible course and accelerate our preparations for a no-deal outcome. But secondly, I will speak speak to EU member states about their intentions until they have reached a decision. Until uh, they have reached a decision, I must say, we will pause this legislation. And let let me be clear. Let me be clear. Our policy remains that we should not delay, that we should leave the EU on October the 31st. And that is, that is what I will say to the EU, and I will report back to the House. And one way or another, we will leave the EU with this deal to which this House has just given its assent. Well, the globalists and the Marxists, led by Jeremy Corbyn, the opposition party leader over there, he is a socialist. He's very much on the uh, profile of Bernie Sanders. Are determined to thwart the will of the American pe- or the uh, British people, and they want to call another referendum, just like it took three referendums to get the British to join the EU. Now they want multiple um, referendums to keep them from leaving. They're going. They want to keep voting until they win. But when the British people voted to leave the EU, it was not on. Uh, on the terms of the EU, they didn't say they had to make a deal and get permission from the EU. They said they wanted to leave, retake their sovereignty, and become a free nation again. And they're being treated to all of these horror stories of what will happen if they don't leave with the permission and the acquiescence of the EU and saying that they have to call another referendum, but they don't want to call elections. They don't want to call another election because they know if they did that Nigel Farage and his Brexit party would sweep them from Parliament and we would get on, or they would get on, with leaving the European Union. We've got to run out to a break now. You're going to hear two messages and then we'll be right back. Stick with us. 
right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. So as we went out to break, we were talking about this Brexit quagmire that the globalists have gotten the British people into. British people voted three years ago to leave the European Union and reclaim their sovereignty, control of their national borders, their trade policy, their courts, their politics. And they have been thwarted uh, in that desire for three years. And now they're being told that they have to have a deal with the EU and they're not allowed to leave with a a no-deal Brexit. There was nothing in the referendum about making a deal with the EU it was simply that um, that the British people wanted to extract itself from the EU. And they're being treated with all of these horror stories that if the EU doesn't give them permission and if, agree to a terms of their withdrawal, that somehow it's going to unleash uh, economic calamity. There's no proof of that. As a matter of fact, uh, they were predicting the same thing. They were saying that if the referendum passed that it was going to cause the British economy to crash. It had just the exactly the opposite effect. The British economy started um, improving because uh, businesses saw the possibility of being able to conduct business without all of the constraints and oppressive rules of the European Union. What does that remind you of? You remember they, they told us if Donald Trump got elected, that the stock market would crash and the economy would crater and that it would be economic Armageddon. Exactly the opposite happened. And exactly the opposite happened in Great Britain. But now, after having drugged this out for three years, the, the British people have elected a, a prime minister, Boris Johnson. Actually, the party uh, elected him, but uh, it was at the will of the British people to try to keep them from taking down that government. The parliamentary system is a mind-numbingly um, complex way to govern a nation. 
it's not easy to see how the British people got themselves in such a, a pickle because they basically have an ineffective uh, form of government when it comes to delivering on big things. What the, the globalists and the Marxists that are trying to uh, constrain the British people are doing are using this labyrinth liber, of uh, procedures, parliamentary procedures, to thwart the national will. They're even keeping Boris Johnson from from ca- calling for uh, what they call over there snap elections. In other words, if we can't get anything done, if we're not allowed to move forward, well, let's just take it back to the people and let them vote again on the uh, on the government, not on the referendum, but on the government. The uh, the parliament over there won't allow him to do that because they know that uh, if they did, that the British people would put in Nigel Farage and the Brexit party and sweep them from power and deliver on this Brexit. And you got Jeremy Corbyn over there who is basically uh, the British version of Bernie Sanders, a committed longtime Marxist who has risen to power by promising uh, free stuff to everybody. He's got about, um, I guess he's probably got about 38% of the, uh, of the vote in Britain. Jeremy Corbyn is determined that he is not going to have this, um, this referendum abided by and insists that there be another vote. He wants to um, keep voting on whether or not to lead the EU until the globalists win. I welcome today's vote. It's an emphatic decision by this House that has declined to back the Prime Minister's deal today and clearly voted to stop a no-deal crash-out from the European Union. The Prime Minister must now comply with the law. He can no longer use the threat of a no-deal crash-out to blackmail members to support his sell-out deal. Labour is not prepared to sell out the communities that we represent. And here he goes with the class warfare bit. What they've done over there is they've they've taken... uh, created a majority uh, by getting factions from both the Labor and the the uh, Tories to uh, thwart the EU re- uh, re- referendum to leave the EU. And now they've put constraints on Boris Johnson saying that he has to continue to try to get permission from the EU to leave. What I'm kind of wondering is why don't the more nationalist uh, governments in the EU uh, veto any sort of measure that would require um, or that would allow another extension for Great Britain to uh, negotiate a deal. Why, do, why doesn't Poland or Hungary or maybe Austria, why don't they just go ahead and uh, veto any measure that would allow for an extension forcing Great Britain to go ahead and withdraw with no deal? That would be a true expression of nationalism and, and restoring sovereign borders. And uh, we'll have to wait till we see that. But Nigel Farage is the 
the character that is always uh, looming over all of this because they know that if uh, if they continue to thwart the will of the British people that uh, eventually they'll have to face Nigel Farage and his Brexit party at the polls. There, I even heard some talk of, uh, of Emmanuel Macron uh, vetoing an extension uh, to negotiate terms of a withdrawal because um, Macron is getting aggravated with the rise of nationalism in the EU, and he thinks that uh, eventually he's going to have to face Nigel Farage uh, as um, if if they continue to thwart uh, the the uh, the deal or the referendum to leave the EU. Well, I saw that uh, Jimmy Carter, who is well into his nineties now, uh, former president back in nineteen seventy. Uh, six was Jimmy Carter elected in 76. He's fallen, uh, and broken his uh, pelvis and he's in the hospital. Um, oftentimes when an elderly person breaks their pelvis, that is, uh, uh, the beginning of the last chapter of their life. And I just want to send Jimmy Carter get well wishes. I know that Jimmy Carter was a terrible president. I think Jimmy Carter realizes that he didn't do a great job as president, but as a person and as an ex-president, especially Jimmy Carter, uh, is a good man. I used to have uh, an office. Uh, my private investigation office used to actually be next door to his um, his campaign office when he ran for governor of Georgia. Um, it was uh, located in Decatur, right outside of the city of Atlanta. And I've met uh, Jimmy Carter a few times. A thoroughly decent man. A thoroughly, uh, he and his wife are just really good people, and uh, I want to send him get well wishes. Uh, on balance, your life has been a great, great benefit to the world, and uh, I hope you uh, you get better. And we have uh, many more years with Jimmy Carter. A jury in Texas, of all places has ruled against a father who is trying to stop his estranged wife from putting their seven-year-old child through gender transition hormone therapy. (laughs) Try to wrap your mind around that. A jury in Texas ruled that a, a mother could over the objections of the father, change the gender through hormone therapy of a seven-year-old child. These people are sick. There's something wrong with them. (laughs) The world has gone mad. A seven-year-old doesn't know what gender they want. A a seven-year-old is just trying to figure out their identity. This seven-year-old hasn't decided that he wants to become uh, a member of the opposite sex. They may be dressing up, you know, as the oppo- uh, as the opposite gender. That doesn't mean anything. That's just a child trying to find their identity. This is obviously being manipulated by the mother, and any doctor that would administer uh, hormone. Therapy, gender-changing hormone therapy on a seven-year-old child should be 
should have their license to practice revoked because they're obviously in violation of their oath to do no harm. When this child becomes of age, they may decide that all of this was a massive mistake after all of this damage has been done. Hell no, you ought not to be able to change the gender of a seven-year-old child or any child up until, I would, I would say, the age of majority, 18. They are incompetent. They are not able to make their own decisions. And a decision like that being imposed on a child is nothing less than child abuse. The very fact that the mother in this case would uh, would propose this means that she's an unfit parent. The child ought to be removed from that home and given to the father to raise until and the and the mother ought to be given some sort of uh, mental health treatment. I saw where CNN uh, ran an article on its uh, on its webpage. It was it was not on the the broadcast or on the cable uh, coverage, but they read, ran an article on their page saying that they were admitting that Donald Trump got Mexico to build a wall and to pay for it because uh, Mexico has deployed about 2,400 uh, National Guard troops to its southern border down on the uh, peninsula and uh, is securing its border, which, of course, is uh, greatly diminishing the flow of migrants that are headed uh, across Mexico to America's southern border. <laughs> and you wondered, you know, did, uh, did one of the copy editors over there fall down on the job? How the heck did this article end up on CNN? I'm surprised it hasn't been picked up by real clear politics and, and run, but uh, it was absolutely right. I don't even think Trump realizes it, but because of the trade threats that he issued against Mexico, he has got Mexico to build a wall. It's not on America and Mexico's border, but it's on Mexico's border with Honduras and and the other nations on its southern border. And uh, and it's uh, reduced the flow of migrants to America's southern border. It's pretty, pretty unusual to see. We're going to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're finally going to get to this topic that I've been promising uh, about the bogus Medicare for all math that the Democrats are engaged in. Stick with us. We'll be right back. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Well, recently, a, a think tank, an economic think tank, uh, ran the numbers on uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's plan for Medicare for all that would abolish all the private health care plans in the country 
and uh, transition everyone to a government-run health care plan. They crunched the numbers, and they figured out how much it was going to cost, and the number they came out with was $3.5 trillion a year, more than the entire current federal budget. Actually, I think it's a little less. I think the federal budget right now is $4 trillion. So this plan that uh, Bernie and Liz are putting forward would be almost as much as the entire federal budget is right now. And that federal budget right now includes a large amount of money for Medicare. So I guess uh, their plan would actually be more than the current budget. $350 trillion over the next 10 years. And, uh, of course, you know that Elizabeth Warren is steadfastly refusing to answer how she proposes going about paying for that. Here's just a brief montage of her being asked and refusing to answer. Extra seconds. Would you raise taxes on the middle class to pay for Medicare for all, uh, offset, obviously, by the elimination of insurance premiums? Yes or no? Costs will go up for billionaires and go up for corporations. So do you think, then, that Americans are willing to pay a little bit more in taxes if, generally, the household costs are going down on I think that families care about what the... You keep being asked in the debates, how are you going to pay for it? Are you going to raise the middle class taxes? Right. How are you going to pay for it? Are you going to raise the middle class taxes? So here's how we're going to do this. Are you also, quote, with Bernie on Medicare for All when it comes to raising taxes on middle class Americans so, to pay for giant- it? Will you pay more in taxes? Look, this Why is don't a- you want to answer that question? Because, because as Jake said tonight, that's a, a Republican talking point. It's not a Republican talking because- point. For giant corporations and very wealthy individuals, costs will go up. But for middle-class families, for hard-working people, costs are going to go down. But that's not the same as taxes not going up. What matters to families is costs. But will their taxes go up? Well, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. I've listened to these answers a few times before, and I just want to make a parallel suggestion for you about how you might defend the taxes that perhaps you're not mentioning. How much are your costs going to go down? No, no, no. Different question. How much will your taxes go up? No, it's how much are your costs. Well, I actually understand what Elizabeth Warren is saying. She's saying that uh, when you balance the savings on premiums and deductibles and co-pays against what you, uh, the increase that you will be paying on taxes, excuse me, you will come out ahead. But she is apparently deathly afraid of admitting that, uh, that the tax increase will more than be offset by the savings on her, uh, her government run healthcare. And here's the dirty little secret about all this. Uh, that $350 trillion number, as big as it sounds over 10 years, is approximately what we're spending on health care now. Yes, this country on health care, it's the fifth largest segment of the economy, I think it is. Actually, no, I, I'm sorry. I think it is actually the second or third largest segment of the economy. We spend about $3.5 trillion a year on on health uh, care both in the private sector and in the public sector. And, um, and for that, um, we get pretty good health care, but it, it's expensive. And as part of it, about 5 to 10% of the population is uninsured. Now, many of those people don't want health care. They don't want to pay for it. They're perfectly happy 
being a free rider and uh, showing up at the emergency room if they need health care. I'm talking about young people that uh, are making the bet that they won't get ill. Talking about homeless, mentally ill people that are on the streets. If they get sick, they just show up at the emergency room. And the rest of us pay for their health care through our premiums. But they get health care. This idea that uh, you know people are dying for lack of health care is uh, a canard put forward by Bernie. We pay for it through our premiums, and it's probably the most expensive possible way you could go about paying for any sort of health care plan. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention that that $350 trillion a year, or uh, over 10 years, at $3.5 trillion a year, does not include the uh, 22 million illegal immigrants that each and every Democrat candidate promised to provide government health care for. Those 22 million would uh, would use about $10,000 each in health care, according to studies, costing an additional $220 billion every year for Americans to provide health care for these uh, illegal immigrants. And that's not even in- including the the flood that would be caused across the world by people trying to sneak into the United States to get this free health care. But having said all that, the last thing in the world we should ever want is to give more money and more power and more control over our lives to the federal government. For God's sakes, don't don't give the health care sector, this $3.5 trillion a year health care sector, to the government to run. Have you ever seen anything that would lead you to believe that the government would be able to deliver that product better or, for that matter, for the same cost. That $3.5 trillion would balloon, probably double or triple, if you put the government in charge of it. And the quality of of the service would go down. Do we need some reforms and regulations in the current system of Private health care, absolutely. But this notion that, um, you know, the government can deliver Medicare for all completely ignores the nature of what Medicare is. Medicare is a prepaid health insurance, old age health insurance plan. You pay premiums, prepaid premiums throughout your working career. Now, I know as it is right now, People are getting far more back than they ever paid in premiums because uh, the costs in health care have risen so dramatically. A major portion of that is because the health care industry can keep you alive longer and give you a much better quality of life throughout those years because of advances in medicine. But if you uh, if you want to get your health care through the uh, government equivalent of the DMV, you just let them get control over health care. Medicare is not a government-run health care program. It is a uh, uh, an insurance program that uh, still operates within the private sector. And a lot, a lot of doctors will no longer take Medicare because it doesn't pay enough in, in, uh, in fees. 
What they're really talking about is Medicaid for all. Medicaid for all. And Medicaid is a heavily rationed system. Once the states have spent all their Medicaid money, guess what? That's it. They're not covering any uh, any more people. So what I want to know is where are the free marketeers at the Cato Institute and other um, you know, free market defending think tanks coming up with alternatives for this harebrained scheme that Bernie and Elizabeth are putting together to push back on this? Why haven't the Republicans come up with some free market solutions to keep our health care insurance and the provision of our health care out of the government's hands. You know, uh, my family was on Kaiser HMO for a long time. That's a private-run company. Our, uh, our premiums were high, but we didn't have to pay deductibles. We had a, a small copay. We got excellent care, excellent health management. I think that's the future of health care. I don't want a Canadian plan. I don't want to wait six months um, to get some sort of life-saving surgery, during which time they've already calculated that I will die and never be able to take advantage of that benefit. The Dems are now freaking out, by the way. They've realized, they've come to realize that they, they don't have a candidate that can beat Donald Trump, and it's, it's freaking them out. You, you see this debate being carried on, on um, in the, the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post. They, they're looking out there. Joe Biden is sinking like a stone because everybody understands the corruption that he engaged in in China and the Ukraine. You got Elizabeth and Bernie uh, standing there. Both Marxists, one a admitted Marxist and the other a crypto Marxist, threatening to take over our economy, give free health care to illegals, pay off everybody's college debt, take away or uh, uh, take over the health care system in this country. And they know that the American people aren't ready for that, and they know that no nobody on that stage can stand uh, with Donald Trump and and uh, convince the American people to vote for them. So now they're talking about, oh, we gotta, we got to bring Oprah. <laughs> she, she's got her own little version of Marxism on her show. You know, she hides these, uh, everybody gets a car, everybody gets a, a refrigerator. They want to get Oprah on the stage. Maybe she could win, I don't know. They're talking about dragging Michelle Obama out to run for president, that would be a disaster. Michelle Obama is not nearly as smart as these people are giving her credit for. And she is deeply to her bones anti-American. And I guarantee you, if you had, if she had to uh, undergo the scrutiny of a national campaign, that anti-Americanism would become apparent. They want to drag out uh, the billionaire Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of New York, who did by all accounts, a fairly decent job running New York. Don't tell that to any of my firefighter friends. But um, Bloomberg is, you know, a nanny state kind of guy. He wants to to put a, put together all sorts of rules, telling you have, what kind of lifestyle you have to lead. <clears throat> 
the one candidate I thought that uh, looked pretty uh, viable, the Democrats freaked out on immediately, Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks. I thought he sounded like a pretty reasonable old-style liberal, still believed in free markets and capitalism, free enterprise, had done an excellent job uh, you know, creating a company that most everybody loves. I don't drink their coffee any longer because it's overpriced. It is good, though. I, I suspect... I suspect they're putting uh, something in that coffee to make it addictive. Um, what is that uh, that ingredient that they put in Asian food? Um, but I suspect they're they're putting uh, something in that coffee that uh, gets people addicted to it. And the latest specter, of course, is they're threatening to trot out old Hillary Clinton again, and a lot of people are convinced that that's exactly what they intend to do, that that's the reason Hillary Clinton's on a book tour now and that she's, you know, uh, making these crazy statements about Tulsi Gabbard because she's trying to raise her profile so she can get off the bench and get put back in the game. I, please, please let that happen. I would just love another uh, November 2016 night Watching Hillary Clinton and all her supporters get their hopes crushed again, that would be just great. Well, that's it for today's show. I hope you'll join us back here again tomorrow, right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home.